Welcome to the South Canadian Valley Church of Christ podcast. Please enjoy the following study. Welcome to those that are joining us in the sanctuary, those that are joining us online. Welcome and thank you for deciding to worship uh, with us. At this time of year, or probably a few weeks ago, uh, it was the time to set those uh, New Year's resolutions. Uh, So some people are pretty big on that. uh, Some are not. Now, according to the according to the Discover Happy Habits New Year's resolution statistics, every year people around the world make New Year's resolutions to reach their goals, generally to improve their health uh, and basically to live better, better lives. Now, a resolution, if you're not familiar with the definition of it, It is a firm decision to do or not to do something, a firm decision to do that. So you commit to it. And in 2020, 43 percent of Americans made resolutions to eat healthier. In 2019, 59 percent wanted to exercise more. Notice the percentage is going down. In 2018, 53 percent wanted to start saving money. Now, unfortunately, in that survey, I didn't see giving more to charity, increasing my faith, worshiping more, praying more. They didn't make the list that I looked at. And you may be one of those folks who say, I'm not I don't make resolutions. Uh, I'm, I'm past the resolution thing. It doesn't work out. Well, <clears throat> I would beg to differ. I I think as Christians, and I'm going to try to convince you that you have made a lifelong resolution as a Christian. Here in 1 Peter, he shares some insight with us in regards to steward. That might not be a word that's part of your regular vocabulary. It's It's not a part of mine on a regular basis. So Peter tells us here, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So he provides us with evidence and proof that we are, in fact, stewards and we have been entrusted with a gift, the gift of salvation through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I can't think of a a more valuable and precious gift. Can you? Now, Paul goes on to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now, I want you to think about that. The gift that was given to us, eternal life in heaven with God, and then all the treasures and everything that comes with that, all the family and friends. And then also... What that doesn't include, sickness, illness, death, pain, suffering, none of that stuff. So either way, it's just a win, a win-win. So therefore, since we've accepted the gift, those of us who've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we've accepted the gift. We also have a duty, obligation, and a responsibility to be good stewards of that gift. 
The Greek word for steward is ekonomos, ekonomos. So just to revisit the definition of steward, according to the Strong's Hebrew and Greek dictionary, a steward is a house distributor, that is a manager or overseer, an employee in that capacity by extension, a fiscal agent, treasurer, figuratively a preacher of the gospel, chamberlain, governor, steward. Now, Luke is going to share, is sharing with us, there's more than one type of steward. There's more than one type of steward. So we're going to visit the different types of stewards. So in Luke chapter 12 and verse 42, Luke 12, verse 42, we find, And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward, whom his master will make ruler over his household, to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find doing so when he comes. Truly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. He'll make him ruler over all that he has. So we see that there is a reward for being a good steward. There's a reward for it. So I was just trying to put some things together. Um, So a faithful and wise steward consistently meets the spiritual and physical needs of others. So I would think by contrast, a foolish and unjust steward does not meet the needs, spiritual or physical, of others. Continuing on in verse 45, but if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants, and to eat and drink and be drunk. If I could just pause there for a minute, it was a couple of things I got out of that. One is he got tired away. I hear people say that they get tired all the time, especially if we find out we have to work late. No, I'm so tired. I mean, I'm, I was probably tired before that, but once they say you got to work late, oh, now I'm really tired. So we see here that that steward, so maybe up until that point, he or she was doing the right thing, but got tired, ran out of gas. And then we see, initially I was talking about resolutions, we see a pivot because it says that after he got tired, he began to do something different. He began to beat the male and female servants. So if I could just summarize that, he began to abuse others. But that wasn't all of it. Then it says that to eat and drink and be drunk. So he also abused himself, others and himself. So I think his resolutions turned from good to bad. Continuing on in verse 46, the master of that servant will come in a day when he is not looking for him. And at an hour when he is not aware and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbeliever. And I was wondering, do we really mean cut him in two into pieces, literally? And what's meant by appoint him his portion with the unbelievers? Well, in verse 47, it says, and that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. I have news for you. 
That's us. As Christians, we should, we know God's will, and if not, we should know God's will. And because of that, there is a huge responsibility that goes with that. And if we don't fulfill that responsibility, it talks about what the punishment is. Now, also, we have unbelievers as well. And verse 48 addresses them as well. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. So unbelievers might not know God's will, but it's our job as stewards to inform them, to make sure that they know God's will. And we have such a wonderful gift, this gift of salvation and the gospel. It would be a tragedy not to share that. Not just for them, but for us as well. For everyone to whom much is given from him, much will be required. And to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. Because this gift that we have is so great, there is a lot that is asked of us. And as long as there's unbelievers out there, we still have plenty of work to do. Now, remember I said there are several types of stewards. we got different types of stewards. We also have a group that I talked about unbelievers. They're not even stewards. They're not the Lord's stewards. And if that's your situation, you're in the right place. You're in the right place. So Luke gives us more insight about stewards in chapter 16. And we're going to go to chapter 16 and verse 1, where we find he also said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward. And an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. And I neglected to thank you for the reading, Kale. Thank you so much. Really appreciate that. So it was brought to his attention that he was wasting his goods. Now, do you have anything that's in common with this steward? Are you wasting your goods? Are you wasting what you're responsible for? Maybe so, but that's not what I'm talking about. <clears throat> what I think you have in common with the steward that we read here is accusations. There were some accusations brought against him. That's what I think you have in common. And in Revelations chapter 12 and verse 10, we find, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. So you have someone that's putting the bad word out on you day and night. So even while you sleep, you're being accused. So I think you have that in common with the steward from our scripture here. So make no mistake about it. And I'm not just talking about you. I'm, I'm, I wonder with those accusations that he's making day and night, are they true? The accusations against you, are they true? For me, I'm sad to say that, yes, some of those accusations are true. I'm guilty of some of the stuff that he's professing against me. 
which is why I need the blood of Christ to cover me because I'm guilty. Continuing on in verse two. So he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship for you can no longer be steward. It's nice that the master wants to know both sides of the story, right? Because how many times have you been in situations where there's an accusation against you and you're guilty? You haven't even got a chance to tell your side or defend your, you're guilty right off the bat. And let me flip that over. How many times have we made a judgment and didn't hear both sides? We just felt like the, the accusation was so serious that I just have to I just have to act on it without even hearing your side. I'm guilty of that also. In Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 13, we find he who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 17. The first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. Let me ask you this. What if God were to ask your neighbor to be your character witness? Would you be considered guilty or innocent? What about this? When somebody's talking about you behind your back, do you want to know what they're saying, if you, if you hear that, hey, somebody's talking about you behind your back. Generally, I want to know. I want to know, man, what did they say about me? Because uh, it might be good. It might be true. It might be false. It might be something I need to work on. <clears throat> so we just talked about this accuser that's accusing us day and night. And I just wonder, what is he telling God on me? What is he, what's he saying? Well, we find some insight in Job chapter one and beginning in verse eight. There we find, then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. I'm thinking Satan's thought about him because he responds with. So Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job? Fear God for nothing. Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household and around all that he has on every side? You've blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will surely curse you to your face. Now, Satan has a point. I usually don't side with Satan, but let's just. Let's just see. He says that for one, God provides protection for Job. That's what we see here. Now, I'm thinking when God is asking him, hey, have you thought about Job? It seems like Satan has examined every type of way that he could get to Job. Went around the backyard to the side gate, uh, checked on his accounts at the bank, uh, looked at his possessions, Went on the job to see, did he have a good appraisal report? I mean, anyway, what investments did he make? He checked on the, the stock investments, the portfolio. He was like, yeah, you got him protected on every side, not just him, but his family also. But he puts that claim there. He says that it's because you do all that stuff for him. 
If you stop doing that stuff for him, he'll curse you to your face. Now, I wonder if we just flip that over, if we apply that to ourselves. Now, God has blessed all of us, but let's just say take those blessings away. Would you still be in here? Would you still read your Bible? Would you still pray for others and yourself? Would you still worship just as intently if he take those blessings away? Because if that's the case, the accusations that are being said behind your back night and day, they're true. If he takes that stuff away and you won't worship, it's true. Something that came to mind when I read this, I was thinking during my difficult times in life, trials, tribulations and struggles. Is this true? While I'm going through the storm. Am I praising? Am I worshiping? Or are the accusations true? If they are true, they don't have to be true past today. All right. Continuing on in, in verse three. There we find, then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? Now, remember, it was accusations against the steward and his word has gotten back. And he's about to lose the stewardship. He's like, oh, Lord, what what am I going to do? <clears throat> For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I'm resolved what to do that when I'm put out of the stewardship, they may receive me. In their houses, they may receive me in their houses. <clears throat> Remember, I started off talking about resolutions. We see resolute here. So here he's he's got to make a firm decision to do or not to do something because, hey, he's about to lose his stewardship. What can he do to try to hang on to it, to try to salvage it in some some way? <clears throat> he can respond Basically, one of two ways. And one positive, there's a positive response, there's a negative response. James shares with us a negative response. James chapter 4 and verse 1. There I found, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. And you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. I would think that this kind of described the steward to me in, in some sense. Um, but we see that he, he realizes I got to make a change. I'm resolved what to do. I got to do something different. What I'm doing is not working. And when we're being tried, there's basically one of two. There's two different responses. One is either in line with the will of God and one is not. I would say for our own. I think that Stuart was probably just living it up because it seems like he didn't have a handle on things to me. And, and as we go on, we'll see if you agree with me. Another response, because he's resolved to make a decision to do something different. I find in Job, if we just go back to Job, Job chapter one and verse 20. Another response is. When Job went through his storm. Then Job arose 
tore his robe, shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshiped. And he said, naked, I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. I think that's how you come through a storm right there. When everything is taken away and it's not looking pretty, that's when we're supposed to worship and praise and bless God even more. That's when we find out if the accusations are true. If he takes everything away, are you still going to worship? Verse five goes on to talk about this steward. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. Now, remember, I said, I don't think that the steward was doing a very good job. Because if you got to ask how much, how much did you borrow? Like if I went to the bank and they just let me leave with a sum of money and they don't even know how much I took out. They just say, go in the vault, take out, you know, just help yourself. And then they come back and say, how much did you, when you went in there last month or last year, how much did you take out? I would think that bank wouldn't even be in business operating that way. So that's why I think that the steward was just kind of living it up. He had no idea, no idea how much they borrowed. I just thought that was, that was profound in and of itself. And you're calling yourself a steward? Mm. So. Let's flip it over again to you. Are you a good steward over all that's entrusted to you? See, but you might say he hasn't entrusted a whole lot to me. Well, let's talk about that. See, because if you're sitting here, he at least entrusted last year to you, right? So uh, not not our math people, because I know you already know. But how many hours did he give you last year? How many hours? See, because we, we work them 40 hour weeks, right? Some of us that are fortunate, some work 60 and 80 hour weeks. But for those that work 40 hour weeks, he gave you last year. How many hours did he give you? Time is our most valuable asset. It's one of them. If you said 8,760 hours, you would be correct. So he gave you that. What did you do with it? What did you do with it? Well, Solomon shares with us, this might be your response. In chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, in Ecclesiastics chapter 3, verse 1. To everything, there's a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to gain and a time to lose. A time to keep 
and a time to throw away. I think the steward took that to heart. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. So back to your 8,000 plus hours that were given to you. How many of those hours did you spend in service to the king? All right. Let's flip over to another ledger, another area that you were given responsibility for last year. Most of us had some type of income, some type of some type of money went into the account. And according to the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, the national median family income for the United States in 2021 was $79,900. That's a lot of money right there. That's that's quite a bit. And I'm just wondering for the average person, what did we do with it? What did we do with this almost 80 grand? Luke gives us some advice. Hopefully we took it. Luke chapter six and verse 38. Hopefully we did this. It says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put in your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So with the, the monies that God has given us over the past year, how much of it did we spend helping the poor? Helping our neighbors? Tithing? Offering? In support of the kingdom in general? My answer would be not enough. I don't know about you. Continuing on, Luke chapter 16, verse 8. So we see how the master responded to the actions of the steward. And one other thing I'd like to give the steward credit for. Now, remember I said that the steward just let the debtors go into the vault and take any amount of money they want. I would say that's unwise. I don't know about you. I would say that's unwise. But I think this next this thing that he did was also was, I would say it's ingenious, really. See, because he had no record that they even, I don't know if they thought about that. It was no record from what I'm reading that they even took any money because he's asking them how much did they take. So I'm thinking, huh, he doesn't know, no record. <clears throat> but the method that he uses gets them to quickly write up a contract on themselves and put a dollar value down and pay. I'm thinking, wow, that's ingenious right there. It was no record. He gets them to write their own record and pay the money. All of a sudden, I was thinking that is awesome. So I think that kind of backs up what we see here because we see that the master says, so the master commended the unjust steward because he dealt shrewdly. For the sons of the world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous men. That when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting homes. Now, when I first read this, it was confusing. I didn't. Because I'm like, they have everlasting homes. Who has an everlasting home? I mean, I, I don't. I must have the characters confused. But I started looking at doing some research and looking at what some of the commentators mentioned. And they said. That steward, in so many words, took 
these earthly resources and got the debtors to fall in line with the master. So let me just take that template and move it over here. So if we take what God has given us, using in such a manner to get folks to follow Christ and point to Christ, that's how we can be on the receiving end of that everlasting home. So once our stewardship is over here, we're looking to be in that everlasting uh, place. So to me, when I read when I read that, it kind of made a little bit more sense to me. I don't know if you've ever heard this. Don't judge me. You can't judge me. You're not supposed to judge. You, you're judging. I don't know if you've ever heard that. <clears throat> but for those who say that, I have news for them. Maybe they haven't heard. Maybe they haven't heard. But in Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 31, it says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered together before him and he will separate them one from another as the shepherd divides the sheep from the goats and he will set the sheep on the right hand, but the goats on the left. I'm thinking that the word hasn't got out to God that there is no judge. Or is it the other way around? I think we have work to do. Continuing on in verse 10. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous man, who will commit to you? Who will commit your to your trust the true riches? Now, when I was first reading that, I wasn't really understanding least and much, you know. Uh, but then I had the wrong definition of much, really. See, because I was thinking much down here. You know, like Beverly Hills, you know, 91210, you know, that kind of stuff. Celebrity. Uh, see, but that's, that's not much. That's the least. See, I wasn't thinking big enough. Wasn't thinking big enough. See, we're talking about a God here. We're talking about, you said, everlasting homes. Treasures in heaven. So I wasn't thinking big enough. So the least encompasses all the resources down here. The much is all the resources upstairs. Hopefully you see that the stakes are higher. You're not at the penny machine gambling on your behavior, or your faith. The stakes are beyond what you can even imagine. But some folks say it won't be any judging. There's no judge. Continuing on in verse 12. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for he, he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man. It kind of goes back to what we were reading before. Some people are so attached to the least that they'll never get the much. Too focused on the least. As we start to draw to a close, I pose the same question that I opened with. Are you a faithful, are you a faithful and wise steward? I started off talking about uh, what's your New Year's resolution? 
I shared with you, you have a lifelong resolution. And you might wonder, what does that lifelong, if I had to write that down on my whiteboard or had to look at it every day, what would that look like? Well, I don't know exactly what it would look like, but can I offer this to you? Psalms chapter 119 and verse 112. It says there, I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever to the very end. I submit that resolution statement to you every year. Now, we've been talking about stewards. Talked about good stewards, bad stewards, unjust stewards. But if you're here with us and you're listening and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not a steward, not a steward at all. But you're in the right place. You're in the right place. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you've been unfaithful, been an unfaithful steward, you're also in the right place. And if you need the prayers of the church, once again, you're in the right place. If you're listening to us online and you fall into one or more of these categories, please reach out to our elders. If you're physically here with us in the sanctuary, we ask if you fall into one of those categories, would you please come forward, have a seat on the front pew as we stand and sing the song of invitation. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For further information about our church, please go to normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com.